When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome in to a Tuesday edition of Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal sitting in alongside Damon Barr filling in for Chris Schmidt this week as he is out spending some time with his family as he should be. Uh, But, you know, Damon and I, the college boys coming in and and filling in. We plan on having some fun today uh, and talk some Nebraska football. I know we spent a lot of time yesterday talking about that Chiefs-Ravens game. What a game that was last night. We will get into that game uh, just a little bit, a little later in the show. But the Husker football team, uh, specifically some defensive coaches and players, uh, had a press conference today and, uh, and fielded some questions from the reporters. We'll get into that as well. Uh, but Damon Barr, how are you doing? It's been a while. I'm doing good. It's been a long time since I've seen you and been able to uh, come in on one of these shows. Yeah, it's uh, the the college the college boys fun. The college boys shows have been fun. We had Will in yesterday. We had a lot of fun. You and me got it Thursday. Uh, Wednesday and Friday, we'll see. Maybe a best of show tomorrow. That'd be fun. Or maybe I'll just come in and do it myself. I know, Damon, you got the, the Monday, Wednesday, Friday class schedule interfering with the show? Yeah, I do. I got class like from 12 to 5. Ooh. Three days. I know it's rough, but I mean, yeah, what are you going to do? Is that how, how many classes is that? Uh, that's like four. And you actually, they're all like in that, person? They're all on Zoom. But, like, I have to be in every single yep. one of them, like, the entire time and, like, showing my face. It's fun. Do you have any classes actually on campus? No. no. They're all on online university for me. See, I still have one class that's in person. It's uh, Mondays at 8.30 a.m. Let me tell you what. Whenever, you, uh, whenever you're watching Sunday Night Football and you wake up at 8.30 on, uh, on a Monday, you don't want to go to that class. But this morning, I was supposed to have a Zoom class at 11, and... Uh, I woke up this morning and there was a, a miscommunication among the members of my household uh, in just passing along the information that some construction worker had come to our, uh, our door late last week and was like, hey, next Tuesday, we're going to be shutting off the power to your house from 8 a.m. until uh, around lunchtime. Uh, so I, <laughs> yeah, I get up this morning and uh, I have no Wi-Fi and no way to access Zoom. Uh, so that was tough. Well, I, I could use my phone data, but I'm not going to do that. I don't care that much That's, about class. Yeah, I'm the one paying for it. School's not worth that much. <laughs> no. I'm going to take my day off. This is God telling me that you should not be going to class today. He woke up and there's just no Wi-Fi? Nah. No, nah, I just... <laughs> ignore that class. Don't even worry about it. But yeah. Uh, finally got power to my house about 2.30. It was it was a tough morning to say the least. It got cold in my house because like, we could have like bumped up the heat last night to like make sure. But... I don't know how my, how home heating and cooling works. I think it's awful. You're just sitting somehow. there shivering like, I got to get to class. <laughs> yeah, uh, but all in all, uh, I, I do not recommend waking up and not knowing you're going to not have power uh, and try to make it through your day doing that, especially when you're trying to plan a radio show. Uh, speaking of the radio show today, let's uh, I digress. Let's get back into the show. Uh, 
you can call the show today. We, we'd love to get your opinions, your thoughts. If you watched the press conference this morning, what, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, open phone lines, uh, 440 and 540 today if you'd like to get your uh, your thoughts in here. Also, open phones here for the next 15 minutes. If you have a, a quick thought you'd like to open the show off with, you can call us 402-466-3776 or 1-800-825-5865. If that's too many numbers to remember, it's 402-466-ESPN. You can also uh, tweet at us. You can find me and follow me on Twitter at Herbal Essences uh, and send me your thoughts if you'd rather not join us via the phone lines. You can also tweet at Damon Barr, which is uh, at Damon Barr with two R's. Not going to forget that. Some people put the one bar and that's just incorrect completely. It's at Damon Barr with two R's. Also follow at Hale Varsity and at ESPN Lincoln for, uh, for all that great Huskers content. Do you just want to get right into the press conference? I, I, I think we can. This is the, uh, the important stuff uh, that you know I, I've been following today, and it's what we're going to be uh, getting into a little bit later with Mitch Sherman. He's coming up in about 15 minutes. Mitch Sherman, 425. Coming up in hour two, we have Brandon Vogel going to be talking uh, a little about this press conference, maybe a little Husker volleyball with him as well. And then Parker Gabriel coming up at 525. Excited to get Parker's thoughts. He was uh, asking questions at the press conference this morning. I want to get his, uh, his read on the room from the press conference. But I want to start off with the coaches that were at the podium this morning. Eric Shenander was up at the podium, kind of just discussing the offseason and how weird it's been for the Huskers. They figured out uh, pretty much 10 months ago now uh, that spring practices would not be continuing as planned and everything would be moving online. And the, the question that is on my mind with these coaches is, is what are they doing during that offseason time? Uh, are you able to you know, hold these team meetings just the same over Zoom? Are you able to communicate your same messages? And, and what messages are you sending to your team uh, during this past 10 months? I know it's been so weird with uh, COVID, people going home. Uh, do they want to come back? Uh, are they doubting whether Nebraska is the place for them? Are they focused on a football season? Have they already convinced themselves that football season this year is down the drain and they don't need to focus on football anymore and we'll, we'll come back and get them next year? Uh, so he had a lot of questions uh, that he had to field along with uh, Coach Fisher and Coach Dawson. Uh, Coach Dawson was also interesting to hear from as he was uh, not with the Huskers last year, spending a year up in pro football with the New York Giants, now coming back to the college game and, and what a tough job he's been uh thrust into now having to kind of recommunicate his goals to the team there's a whole bunch of guys that weren't here uh whenever he last left uh so communicating his you know his verbiage that he uses whenever he's on the field his hot words uh all that stuff is uh, interesting from coach Dawson and, and he fielded those questions uh we also heard from Jojo Doman and Deontay Williams two guys who are expected to be leaders of that defense uh something that the the defense kind of lacked last year it, it seemed like from afar was a, a true leader somebody who could come step up and lead with their words and their actions uh just the same uh so a lot that those uh those coaches and players could have gotten into this morning. We'll start it off with Coach Chenander uh, and, and what the big news that all the Husker media outlets within the past two weeks have been talking about is the schedule. Damon, I haven't gotten your thoughts on the schedule yet. I, I have some <clears throat> I have some very uh, specific thoughts on the schedule. It, it doesn't matter. That That's my opinion. Um, we're going to play them anyway, and we might as well play them. That's, that's all I have to say about the schedule. Yeah, and whenever we first got the schedule, I had more strong feelings than I do now. Um, but as time has gone on and I've gotten some time to digest, yeah, give us Ohio State week one. Give us a good shot at Ohio State week one, especially after seeing how those SEC games went. You know, a lot of those teams came out pretty 
pretty cold in the first half, kind of out of rhythm with their offense. Um, some low-scoring dogfights in the SEC in their Week 1 matchups. So maybe that's a, a positive for Nebraska. Coach Shenander, that was actually the first question he fielded this morning, was on uh, the schedule. Uh, let's take a listen to Coach Shenander. I control what I can control. I can't control the schedule. They put it out there. We play football. Um, I want to play football. I didn't care who we played first. Um, you know, I kind of expected, you know, it may be Ohio State. It may be one of our crossover games. You know, it, it's probably it was probably going to be Ohio State, Penn State, or Rutgers. However, the, the chips fell. Um, it came out as Ohio State and then Wisconsin second. So, you know, we got to get ready and let's go. But it's a, it's, a, it's a great opportunity for us, for sure. You know, our guys are excited. The one thing that they did not want to do was play, you know, a schedule that was not going to have the best teams in it. They want to play the best teams. I want to coach against the best teams. Um, that's why we all came to Nebraska. We didn't, we didn't come to Nebraska to, to, to play a bunch of games that weren't going to matter. We came here just like every kid did to play in the big-time football games, and that's what we got right away. So it's an awesome opportunity for us as a defense and as a team. And that's, you know, kind of exactly what you want to hear from your coaches. Obviously, the coach can't come to the press conference and say, we hate the schedule. We don't want to play Ohio State week one. That's off the table. That's not an option for him. But he's saying all the right things there. Yeah, let's play those best teams. Like, I mean, the first reaction to Ohio State is kind of, I'm scared. I'm scared that we have Ohio State week one. But the second reaction is just the, the reaction of kind of settled in in the past week is excitement. I'm excited to go face Ohio State week one. Let's test ourselves. Let's show that we're a better team than we were whenever we got demolished last year at home. You got to prove it at some point. I know all, all the words are great saying we're getting better in the offseason. We've had all these months to train. We've been in the weight room. Prove it. Go out and prove to the Nebraska fans and to the media who's been doubting you that you are a better team, even if it comes up as a loss. Right now, the line in Vegas for that game is 22 and a half points. They think Ohio State is 22 and a half points better than Nebraska. If you're a Nebraska player, you're excited to go out and prove week one. Look at this work we've been putting in in the offseason. We're excited to go out and, and face that challenge. It's the Big Ten. If you're not ready for a challenge, you shouldn't have come to the Big Ten in the first place. And I don't think Nebraska fans and Nebraska itself could have foreseen how difficult this first decade in the Big Ten has been. But you knew coming into the Big Ten, this is going to be more of a challenge than the Big 12 was. There's some sleeping giants in the Big Ten. That was the thought. Well, the, the, the Giants have awoken, they have arisen, and they are angry. They don't like Nebraska coming in thinking that they're, they're all that. You've got a challenge now. Let's go out and face the challenge. Chenander also got into uh, the challenges, uh, nice little segue here, of uh, the challenges of the padless practices that Nebraska's been going through, the uncertainty of not knowing when they're going to be able to be in full pads. Uh, the Big Ten, the date is September 30th, but it's still not a firm date. All the uh, the schools need to get their antigen testing first before that all the schools can uh, proceed to padless practices. Eric Schneider got into some of the challenges with that uncertainty surrounding when Nebraska can get into full pads. Coach Frost has, has got a good schedule for us, and he's talked to me about his plan, and just so we kind of uh, see what he, he's got planned for us, I think he's got enough situational work. Um, like you mentioned, the fine line is getting them ready to play a football game and not driving them into the ground. Um, not having pads on for 10 months, not ideal, but once again, most people are in the same boat. Some people had spring ball early, some people didn't, but most people are in the same boat, so it's not like it's an unfair advantage. The one difference uh, between the schools like Nebraska and the other schools that are already playing is just that, is that the other schools 
have begun playing, and Coach Schneider just got into the next question right after, uh, is what, what they've learned from these other schools that they've gone and seen play. Schneider says that since football's been on, he's been watching football, uh, watching high school football in Nebraska, been watching college football, been taking notes, but he also said that he has been uh, using these other schools as an example, reaching out to his contacts in the coaching world uh, and seeing what they've been doing right and what they've been doing wrong. Uh, and he says that they have been able to learn from these schools and hopefully it can lead to a better product on week one than we saw from the SEC this past weekend. I've also had the opportunity to talk to some of those coaches that played early, some friends in the business, what they thought that they did wrong, what they thought they did right leading up to those games. You know, is it live tackling? Is it not live tackling? Is it live up front? You know, some people just went completely um, – you know, no contact because they wanted to get to the game healthy and safe and all those types of things. And did that work? No. So I think that once again, Coach Frost has found a good balance for us. But, you know, not being the first ones to play, even though I would have loved to have played a month ago, not being the first ones to play, I think um, gave us a little bit of advantage to talk to a few people and find out how practices worked. Um, like I said, what didn't work and what didn't. Can we find that, that balance of what's going to work for Nebraska football? And obviously the, uh, the, the situation that Nebraska is finding itself in this year is less than ideal. That's pretty obvious. But the situation among schools across the entire country is less than ideal. So it, it's kind of good to get that the glass half full perspective from Shenander in that it, it's not ideal the situation we're in, but we can go learn from these other schools. We can even go learn from the NFL. You've seen the, the rash of injuries in the NFL. How did the NFL ramp their practices back up? How did they get their guys back in shape? When you look at the SEC, they came out flat week one. Look at LSU coming off a national championship, and, and they lose a game that they should have won against Mississippi State. Now, should have won is a little subjective because uh, whenever someone throws for 623 yards on you, uh, you're really never expected to win. But going into that game, they were expected to win. They were the, the heavy favorite. They're the na- defending national champion. Can you go reach out to your contacts at LSU and ask, hey, if you could go back a month, what would you change? What happened? So, good to hear Shenander's perspective on uh, on just a little glass-half-full optimism going into this season. What can we learn from? Uh, the next person to take the stand was Coach Fisher. Coach Fisher was next up at the, uh, the stand, and he focused a little bit more on his secondary room in general. This is kind of where Nebraska has the experience going into the season. There's some experience along the D-line, but you have four veterans in the secondary, Cam Taylor Britt, Deontay Williams, DiCaprio Boodle. You've got Braxton Clark, who's, uh, who's coming back. He got some experience last year. Uh, just a, a lot of pieces, which uh, are going to get moved around in that secondary a lot, but it's, it's fine because those guys have the experience. They have, they've seen Big Ten offenses before. He spoke about his secondary room and, uh, and what he liked from those guys this offseason. You know, I have a great group of guys. Um, I think um, character-wise that when I have younger guys in the room, uh, the culture in the room is there. So um, when I have times that are tough, you know, for younger players, situations, stuff change, um, pandemic, um, been a freshman, um, came to a visit last year, saw a bunch of fans come this year, you see no one on campus. Um, Those freshmen struggle. And, you know, credit to the the room I have, the older guys, I'm um, able to um, grab a hold of those younger guys that are here and helping them so much. And culture, what a buzzword that's been. 
at Nebraska within the past three years since uh, Scott Frost has taken over? Um, so, um, you know, that's where we talk about the culture, you know, and some of the older guys were able to save the rest, you know, because it's not about um, the kids that, you know, are not with us anymore. It's really about it's some older ones, too. All right. It's some older ones that, you know, were struggling as well. And there's some coaches probably that are struggling as well when, 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 when things change up. So um, I'm pretty sure uh, there's some adults, you know, um, out there that are just not coaching football, but just out in the regular workforce that are struggling uh, because of things that's changed up. So, um, you know, um, it was tough. It still is tough, you know, but that's why we have a football team. And, um, and and a group of coaches that are, are willing to uh, sacrifice a lot to um, put our arms around these kids and try to, you know, help them as much as we can. Mitch Sherman's next. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back in, it's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal sitting in alongside Damon Bars. We're filling in for Chris on the show this week. Got some uh, some Husker news to get into today on the show. I know we spent a lot of time yesterday on NFL. If you were disappointed by that, don't worry. An abundance of Husker news. Mitch Sherman joining us right now. Mitch was at the uh, the press conference this morning via Zoom. I guess it's kind of it's kind of hard to say he was at the press conference itself. That just seems so so natural to say. Whenever he was probably sitting at home asking uh, asking all the questions. So Mitch, first press conference of the year since uh, practices have gotten underway. I know practices aren't padded yet still, um, but kind of good to get back into that uh, routine. Correct? Yeah, it was uh, enjoyable to say the least. To uh, to get with uh, those three coaches and uh, JoJo Doman um, and uh, Deontay Williams and talk some football. So it was uh, primarily about football, but I you know that 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 uh, you're not going to get away from 2020 entirely. We heard talk about uh, antigen testing. We heard talk about uh, the players who transferred this summer because of uh, con- conditions that existed during the pandemic. Um, we, we heard, uh, you know, more of, of some of the, the overarching storylines that are going to define this uh, this year on and off the field. But uh, but very nice also to hear those guys talk some personnel, to hear some names of some young players and some other uh, some other up and coming guys who uh, those coaches and, and older players expect to to be stepping into a more prominent role on the defense this fall. Mitch Sherman of The Athletic is with us today on Hale Varsity Radio. Mitch, what do you make of Deontay Williams and JoJo Doman being the, the first two guys uh, on the team to, to take the stand for the Huskers and to, uh, to field questions from the press? Um, well, today was a defensive day. You know, we'll hear from some offensive guys later this week. Um, they're seniors. Um, they both have starting experience, although Deontay, uh, of course, was out last year, injured in the first, uh, the first game of the year, so his experience is more limited, but um, not surprised at all. Uh, I think I think the guys who Nebraska is going to put out front um, early in this uh, in in the in camp here are going to be the older, more experienced guys. I imagine we'll hear from Adrian Martinez fairly quick. He's not a, he's not a senior, but um, obviously has a lot of experience at an important position. So um, I, you know, I think you could have heard from uh, Colin Miller today. Uh, you could have heard from Ben Stilley today. Um, you could have heard from DiCaprio Boodle. 
Um, but some of those guys have talked at, at other events uh, through the off season. I think they're trying to spread it, uh, spread it around a little bit, and uh, and give Deontay and JoJo a chance to uh, to, to to speak their uh, speak their minds. Mitch, if this defense this year is going to make a jump from the uh, the the results that we saw last year, who do you think is going to need to step up on the defense? I mean, JoJo Doman and Deontay Williams are great candidates. JoJo uh, mm-hmm. is, I mean, he's Mike Dawson said in the uh, the press conference that they want. Jojo Doman to be kind of a bell cow of the defense, a guy that they can have in there every single snap. Deontay Williams, his presence was missed last year, the hard-hitting safety, uh, great in coverage. Uh, but are there any other guys that you think are going to need to step up uh, in, for this 2020 Huskers defense? I mean, you can look at every level of the defense and, and find guys. I think at the, at the secondary level, um, Deontay's probably front and center because there were a number of guys who stepped up last year, like Cam Taylor, Britt, Britt and DiCaprio Boodle. Um, there are others there that you know you can look to Braxton Clark and say he's going to play a more prominent role. You can say that um, Markel Desmuke is going to have to step some things up and 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 uh, play better in certain situations than he did a year ago to, to lock down that starting spot. Um, but in the secondary, primarily, I'd look to Deontay Williams and say, all right, there's a guy that Nebraska didn't have last year who's going to be an extremely important piece. And also Nadab Joseph, the junior college transfer, you know, who was once a, an elite level recruit. Um, was uh, on target to play in the SEC at one point during his his, his recruitment, um, and he steps in as a guy also who I think can make an immediate difference. But you can go all over the defense. I'd look to the defensive line and say they're going to need somebody to step up in the middle of that defensive line, um, where of course they lose Carlos and Khalil Davis and Darian Daniels. Um, it's going to have to be Damian Daniels or DeAndre Thomas or Ty Robinson or Keem Green. Um, you know, those are some of the top candidates to step up in the middle of that de- defensive line. Um, you know, all over the defense, there are players that need to step up. They need contributions um, from Colin Miller um, and from Will Honus to fill the fill the gap left by Mo Berry's departure last season in the middle of the, in the middle of the linebacker core. But uh, you know, those are, those are some of the names, the guys that I mentioned that I think are really important to this defense to step up. But certainly not the only players. Mitch, I'm going to sort of ask you to read minds and kind of read the, the room here. Coach Dawson was asked about, you know, who on the, the ends is going to be able to make an impact. What did you think from just listening to these coaches, their confidence levels are? Of course, they're going to they're, they're gonna say, we're ready, we want to play, we're ready to play. But do you think they're expecting much from their defense this year? What is your take on how they feel going into the season? I mean, Mike Dawson's spot at outside linebacker is is the position on the defense. I think that has changed more in a couple of years under Eric Janander and Scott Frost's leadership than anywhere. It's the, it's the spot that they had the furthest to, to go, the farthest to go, and and you know while you haven't necessarily seen the results other than some some strong play from Doman uh, a year ago in certain situations, uh, you know I think they're they're coming along well as far as the bodies. Uh, the personnel that they now have in comparison to the 2018 and even the 2019 season. So, um, but the, the, the fact is, Mike Dawson hasn't coached these guys in in but two practices to this point. So, to ask him, you know, what he thinks he's got and how he thinks those guys are going to fit in this defense, uh, it's a, it's a tall task right now for him to uh, him to answer that question. And I say two practices because that's the spring. Um, you know, really, they've had these guys on the field in July, a little bit in August, um, some time in September, but uh, two two traditional practices in the spring. I guess there were a couple at the start of August that were on a that were on a normal schedule, and then this week 
he really gets them to a place where he, he can learn about them as they start to hit. So that, that's, that's where it could all change, you know, where he can really be enlightened about who these guys are. I, I was interested to hear him talk more about Jordan Riley. Um, he's somebody for sure who, who I've got my eyes on this year as a player who, can, who could step in out of junior college and make a big difference to that outside linebacker spot. Mitch Sherman is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Mitch, it feels like there's good storylines at every single level of the defense. Uh, up front, you got to have people fill in the shoes of uh, Damian Daniel, or sorry, Darian Daniels, excuse me, uh, as well as the Davis twins at linebacker. Mo Berry's departing, and uh, all the crossing routes last year. You got to wonder if the the linebackers can cover a little better. Outside backer, can you get a pass rush this year? That seemed to be lacking at times last year. And then in the secondary, Deontay Williams is coming back, but they also have to fill the shoes of Lamar Jackson, who's off to the NFL. So w- which group there on the defense do you think the most you know intrigue will be uh, once we get to week one which position group do you think we're going to be watching hoping that they're going to step up you know I would start with the linebackers uh, because I think that's in the, in the way this defense is schemed it's such an important position you know it's similar to Wisconsin where if you're going to have a great defense at Nebraska in this scheme your linebackers are going to have to make plays all over the field and, and do it every um, and we haven't seen that enough in two years at Nebraska. I think it's a big part of the reason that they haven't lived up to the expectations that the coaches set for them and that the fans set for them as a, as a defense in general, uh, because they haven't had the guys at the linebacker spot yet who have been able to make those plays consistently. I think the next generation of young inside linebackers that they have coming up, and I'm talking about guys like Nick Henrich, um, like Garrett Snodgrass, like Luke Reimer, the walk-on from Lincoln, um, are 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 going to get Nebraska to that place, but they've got two seniors there right now in Miller and Honus who are coming back after playing a lot last season. Um, and it's their, uh, it's, that's, that's their spot this year to lead, to, to bring those young guys along and to be able to make plays in you know, what could be their last year in the program. Interesting. Both of those guys will have an opportunity to come back in 2021 because there's an eligibility freeze this season. But, um, you know, we'll see if, uh, you know, can, can, can Colin Miller and Will Honus for two seasons hold off, um, those young guys who are upcoming at that position. I, I would, I would, uh, maybe doubt that. And, uh, and at the outside spot, like I said a few minutes ago, that, that there's a lot of intrigue there because uh, of, of the way that they've transformed that spot. Really, you've got guys like JoJo um, and Javen Wright, who, who's, who's kind of a, uh, um, the next in line to be a JoJo Doman-type player as redshirt freshman who's come from the secondary to play an outside backer spot. Um, you have that, that outside backer position and the other one, which, which, which is filled by the more traditional um, – like a defensive end in a 4-3 system type of outside linebacker. And that's where Jordan Riley or eventually a guy like Blaze Gunnarsson, you know, they're going to look to Caleb Tanner this year, who's been in the program for, for a couple years now, to, uh, to fill a role and become a traditional um, every-down pass rusher for Nebraska. So how those guys come along at all four of those linebacker spots, I think will, will, uh, will loom large in, in the way that the defense produces as, as, a, as an 11-man unit. Mitch, now that we're to year three and under Scott Frost, uh, it just feels like it's it's time for some of those younger guys to start stepping up. And last year, whenever you watched that 2019 defense, uh, Cam Taylor Britt, uh, even though it was expected that he was going to get a lot of play time before the season started, he even turned some heads and, and made some plays as, as a young playmaker. Uh, you can also look to Garrett Nelson. Uh, he stepped up and got some significant stap, uh, snaps uh, down the stretch of the season. As you're looking at this 2020 defense, who do you think could be a, a young guy who maybe we're not talking about as much right now, but as the season progresses, especially towards week six, week 
seven, week eight. Who, who do you think is that guy that, that is going to be stepping up? Yeah, and I was remiss in not to mention Garrett Nelson when I talked about the outside linebackers. He's a huge piece there that, uh, that they're going to rely on probably in the starting role this year after his, his breakout season as a true freshman last year. And he's another one of those guys who they, that they believe can, can, can work like a defensive end and rush the passer in, in the scheme. Um, but to answer you, the, the question about breakout guys, um, I mentioned Ty Robinson and Keem Green. You know, I think Ty Robinson's going to be a star in this defense and, and, and maybe break out this year in much the same way as a redshirt freshman that we saw on the back end from Taylor Britt a year ago. Um, I'd look at Braxton Clark. I'd look at Miles Farmer. I'd look at Quentin Newsom on the back end um, in the secondary. And, and then at, at the linebacker spot, um, I already mentioned Jordan Riley as a junior college guy who I think they have big hopes for. Um, and then Nick Henrich uh, on the inside was hurt last year coming off of that shoulder surgery um, in, his, uh, in the spring of his, of his early enrolling season. So um, it, with him back and, and healthy, you know, I think people maybe have overlooked the fact that he was an elite-level recruit out of Omaha two years ago, and, and, and Nebraska fully expects that he's going to get back and play at that level. Mitch, last thought, only about 10 seconds, uh, but we spent a lot of time here talking about the defense, rightly so. Uh, the defense was who was at the, uh, the podium at the press conference today. Um, but the offense is coming to the podium Thursday, and as we get closer to the 2020 season, wh- where do you think the bigger question mark is? Is it on defense or is it on offense? I think the bigger question is on defense this year. Um, you know, the offense can return as many as 10 starters uh, from a year ago. Um, I think always in this system, in this scheme with Scott Frost, uh, you, you know, you, you, you have a better idea. Um, and the, the team is defined by – his teams are defined by their offense. They're going to go as far a, a, as their offenses take them. Um, the defense, you know, of course, has to be along for the ride, and, and they have a lot of responsibility. And I think if Nebraska gets um, to the level that it, it attains to get and, and compete for championships in the Big, in the Big Ten – and at the national level, it's going to happen because it has a championship-level defense. But, you know, really, um, the, 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 his teams are, are defined by their offensive play. And I think there are fewer questions on the offensive side to answer this year, uh, especially with the return of, of a two-year starting quarterback, you know, a talented uh, guy at, uh, at running back. Really, the big questions to me on the offensive side, and I think to everybody, um, are at that wide receiver position. And you see a lot more size there uh, on the roster right now. Um, can can Nebraska turn that size into production right away at the start of this 2020 season? You don't have um, a non-conference season to be able to work those guys in, to work Omar Manning in, to work uh, Xavier Betts in. They've got to come out of the the chute ready to go against Ohio State and Wisconsin in week one or two, or Nebraska's going to be in in trouble if it can't throw the ball down the field and has to rely on Mills and and, uh, Wandale Robinson to, uh, to carry things. They need those big, tall receivers and the tight ends to be heavily involved in the offense right out of the gate. There he is, Mitch Sherman. You can find him on Twitter, at Mitch Sherman, uh, or uh, find his work on The Athletic. Mitch, we'll talk next week. Okay, thanks, guys. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Rolling through a Tuesday here on Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's Elijah Herbal and Damon Barr filling in today for Chris Schmidt. Talking to Musker football, which uh, a few weeks ago, it felt like uh, we, we wouldn't be at this point. But, you know, it's, it's great that I can come in here and talk Husker football because it's what I love. Uh, so big thanks to Mitch Sherman. You just heard him last segment talking to Musker football, giving his thoughts 
on the defense. Just a reminder that all our interviews today will be posted on ESPN Lincoln uh, as well as the ESPN Lincoln Twitter page. You can go find those there. Also posted via podcast form on iTunes. Uh, and then uh, lost my train of thought there, Damon. And you can find uh, the best bits on SoundCloud on our Twitter is. after the show. There it is. Lost my train of thought. Da- thank you, Damon. Had too much Red Bull in my caffeine. Just the, the brain's just working overdrive. Uh, so yeah, still have Brandon Vogel coming up next hour, as well as Parker Gabriel here in about forty-five minutes. Excited to talk with them. Uh, just a reminder, as you heard via our intro, this is an open phone segment. You can call the show 402-466-3776. That's 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Got another chance for you to call in and get some free tickets coming up here in about 10 minutes uh, as there is a wine tasting and craft beer event down at Haymarket Park this weekend. Uh, got a great chance for you. Uh, to get free tickets, it's a it's a big value. Uh, you can save yourself about sixty bucks uh, by getting these tickets with us. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about that after the break. But right now, back to Husker football. Uh, I know I, I forsake Husker football a little bit on the show yesterday, uh, so I sh- got to get through it today. You know, it's what you people want to hear. It's what I want to talk about. Let's talk some Husker football. We didn't get a chance to hear uh, what the players had to say at the press conference this morning. JoJo Doman uh, was first to take the stand. Uh, and, you know, he came out and, and talked about what the the Huskers focused on this offseason uh, and, and how they kind of adapted to this this weird and just ever-changing situation that we find ourselves in. Uh, JoJo Doman, again, first up, talking about the offseason. Yeah, we I mean, we lift. We got we got an extra three months with Coach Duvall. Uh, we're ready to, to strike and win it, win at the point of attack. Um, our front seven, we have to win in the box to allow allow the game to open up um and yeah it's just just working just working on working on the fundamentals of the game um a lot of the times we overlook those you think of schemes you think of alignment but like the the fundamentals that you're talking about of striking and winning the point of attack is the essence of football and uh we're excited to get going on that and uh, continuously improve in that aspect. And again, JoJo taking that same route that some of the coaches taken, uh, the glass half full optimism way to look at this. Uh, since we didn't lose practices, we got an extra three months to work with uh, with strength and conditioning coach Zach Duvall. We got to get bigger. We we got better. We we uh, you know you know the uh, the talk has been is that Nebraska has not been physically ready for the Big Ten. That's what Scott Frost said after we lost to Iowa his first season. Is that those guys just look bigger than us? That should not be an excuse this year. Three more months in the weight room with Zach Duvall. With that in mind, JoJo kind of discussed his goals for the defense this offseason, what the defense has been talking about, uh, what they want to do once you finally get to Ohio State week, October 24th. What does the defense want? Play every game like it's our last. Um, Be focused, be energized, um, be assignment-driven, force turnovers, uh, what just like raising the raising the bar, raising the standard, right? We we got to continuously do that, um, personally and as a unit. Just always just always pushing ourselves. And that's what you want to hear from the leader of your defense. JoJo's a guy that you know could be out there ninety percent of the snaps this year for Nebraska. He's gonna be a guy that's gonna be leading that front seven, and, and he's saying we, we got to raise the bar. 
play every game like it's our last. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, and that's something that this offseason has given you perspective on. It's uh, Football season is taken for granted every single fall, but not this year. This year, there was a great chance that they weren't going to get to play football at all. So what a great motto to be living by with your defense is we're going to play every single game this year like it's our last game that we're ever going to play. Leave it all out there. And that's what you got to have with the defense. Defense is about flying around. It's about effort. It's about doing the little things. With an offense, you know, miss a screen pass, it's okay. You got two more downs to work with. In a defense, if you blow a coverage, it's a touchdown. You're down seven points. You have to bring it every single play. Mike Dawson uh, discussed what JoJo's role is going to be in this defense, what he wants from JoJo. Uh, as I said, JoJo expected to kind of be the leader of that front seven. And uh, he discussed that JoJo's got the potential to be a guy who's going to be out there every single play. Going to be a bell cow of the defense is what he said. And, uh, you know, with, with JoJo's up and down performances, he's, he's a guy that can be a, a splash player for the defense, make the big plays, but he's also been known to, to mess up the little things. So uh, here's what Coach Dawson thinks about JoJo Doman heading into 2020. Uh, my challenge with him, he's a guy that can, can flash and make great plays. Uh, and, and we have talked about this a bunch of times. Just uh, I, we got to get to the point where he's kind of the bell cow for our group as our, uh, as our senior. That's going to be the guy we're going to expect production from all of the time. Can't miss snaps. Can't have a my bad. Can't have an almost. Got to do it all the time. And that's something as a senior, I think that uh, that's a challenge that he's looking for. And he wants the bar set high and he wants to be pushed, which I, I'm really excited about being able to get out there and uh, get after it with him. And you love to hear the coach and the player in unison, setting the bar high. That's what Joe was talking about. We're raising the bar. We're going to make sure that, that, that our standards are higher than they were last year. Mike Dawson is echoing that, saying, with JoJo, we want him to make sure that our defense knows where the bar is at. And, and that they're, you know, even if you, even if you miss, like think about pole vault. That's, that's the, uh, the thought in my mind with raising the bar. Is... uh. If you have it set at 8 feet and you clear it, great. But if you have it set at 15 feet and you jump 14 feet, that's sure a hell of a lot higher than, four, than uh, 8 feet. Am I on here, Damon? Am I on the right path? That, that's a fair assessment. Uh, I'm making sure that my, uh, uh, my uh, example there is clear and easy to follow, and I think there it is, is that uh, with the bar being set high, I mean, if the bar is set low, you, you accomplish 7 out of your 10 goals in a game, great. When it's set high, you accomplish 7 out of 10 goals. You've lost. It's about effort for Nebraska this year. It's about raising the bar, and it's about getting results. That's what it is. It's awesome if you're doing the things right, but when it, when it comes down to it at the end of the day, it's a numbers game. If you can't stop their offense more than your offense scores, you'll lose. Got to set the bar high. Make effort every single play. Play every game like it's your last. Again, coming up next segment, we got a chance for you to win some tickets to Sip Nebraska. It's a local wine, craft beer, and spirits event uh, this weekend down at Haymarket Park in Lincoln. You can taste any beverage from their uh, their local vendors. That includes wineries, breweries, and distilleries. You also have uh, food and uh, football options down there as they're going to be playing uh, some of the best college football games of the weekend up on their big screen. Live music. Uh, it should be a good time down this weekend. Let you know how you're going to get your chance to win some free tickets down there. Got five available to give away before this week. We'll give away the first pair of tickets 
Coming up after this, you're listening to Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We're wrapping up hour one after this. And now. And now. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back in, it's Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal alongside Damon Barr. Excited to get you some free stuff here in about three minutes. If you like beer, if you like wine, if you like food, this is the one for you. Uh, Going to save you some money, get you some free tickets down to SIP Nebraska at Haymarket Park this Saturday. Before we get there, just a quick reminder that there are over 1,500 crashes each year in Nebraska involving impaired driver. Driving drunk, buzzed, or high is never acceptable, and law enforcement officers are working every day to stop it before anyone else is killed or injured. If you're going to drive, don't drink. And if you drink, designate a sober driver or get a ride home. A DUI costs you more than a ride. Remember, drive sober or get pulled over. A message brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Transportation Highway Safety Office. Good, fun first hour as we talk some Husker football. How good is that? Mitch Sherman was awesome. His interview will be up on ESPNLincoln.com as well as the ESPN Lincoln Twitter page. Still got Brandon Vogel and Parker Gabriel coming up next hour. Excited to get their thoughts on the press conference today and uh, what they're looking for as Nebraska kind of ramps up, gets into some padless practices. Damon, you get a chance to watch that Chiefs-Ravens game last night? Uh, I caught a few a few glimpses of it. Um, I, every time I went upstairs, checked out the TV, the Chiefs were up by more. So I, I figured I'd just check out and I'd figure out what was going to happen pretty much from the start. Yeah, and uh, I previewed on the show yesterday that – Maybe Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson is the next Tom Brady and Peyton Manning quarterback rivalry in the NFL. And last night proved to me that Lamar Jackson is not close to Patrick Mahomes' level yet. He's a great quarterback, one of the top in the league, but he is just not on the same level as Patrick Mahomes. Those two teams are awesome, but the, the Chiefs showed me last night is that they're still the top. They're, they're still the, the, the peak of the mountain of the NFL. That's the, that's the class of the NFL. It, it was an incredible performance last night. And, uh, man, that Chiefs team is scary. I mean, Lamar Jackson said after the game, post-game press conference, uh, was that the Chiefs came out and ran the exact same defense that the Titans ran last season against them in the playoffs, the, the defense that the Titans obviously got the win with uh, in advance to the AFC Championship game. And the Ravens still can't figure out how to beat it. You'd think that whenever one team, pretty much all season, has a formula to beat you, that you would go in this offseason and make sure that you now have a game plan to go beat it. But the Chiefs just executed better. They shut him down in the first half. Lamar Jackson was not a threat through the air. And, uh, I mean, the Chiefs got a 14-point win, and it, it that, that feels uh, like it's too close to score, honestly. That game was uh, as close to being a blowout without being a blowout as any game. I mean, the Ravens needed a, a kickoff return for a touchdown. We'll, we'll get into Monday Night Football a little bit more next hour because I got some thoughts on the broadcast booth, obviously, uh, being in sports media here. Uh, the, the big news about Monday Night Football was that Booger's finally gone, and we have a new Monday Night Football booth. I'll give you my thoughts on that after this. But again, one more time, your chance to win some free tickets to SIP Nebraska. This is unlimited tasting of wine, craft beer, spirits, and then uh, there's also going to be food trucks available at the event. This runs Saturday from 2 p.m. Uh, until 10 p.m. Uh, going to be awesome time. You can watch football there, yard games. 
and uh, a lot of local craft brew and wineries there, including Glacial Till, James Arthur Vineyards. I uh, got Nissen Wine, Prairie Creek Vineyards. You got uh, Kincader Brewing, Backswing Brewing Company. Just the options are endless. Going to be an awesome weekend there. Give us a call, 402-466-3776 for your chance to win some tickets. It's going to go to caller number three. Caller number three will get your free tickets to SIP Nebraska. Give us a call. Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back in a Tuesday edition of Hale Varsity Radio into Hour 2. It's Elijah Herbal alongside Damon Barr. Remember, you can connect with the show today. Find us on Twitter at Hale Varsity or at ESPN Lincoln at Damon Barr with two R's for Damon Barr and at Herbal Essences for me. Reach out. Let us know what you think, what you want us to talk about. We'll make sure to get into it right now, though. We're going to get into it with Brandon Vogel. He's the managing editor of Hale Varsity Magazine. Brandon, we finally got our first press conference of the uh, the fall camp era for the Huskers 2020 season. Uh, just first off, quick takeaways that you have from the press conference. Yeah, um, it was well, <laughs> relief, joy. Uh, I don't know what the right word is. It was it was good to to feel back to to just talking a little bit of of football at this point, you know, I guess in, in terms of what was talked about, um, felt, <laughs> it felt pretty normal. Uh, it felt like we were pretty much back to usual in terms of, uh, the coaches, coaches kind of went through and, and, and said what they had to say. You know, I thought there were some interesting things with, with Travis Fisher talking about some of those, those Florida prospects, really some, some big prospects in that, uh, past class for Nebraska that have decided to, you know, through this basically go back home, uh, won't be playing for Nebraska. So, so some of that stuff was interesting, but for the most part, it was kind of just a uh, first day back at school, like, hey, let's all figure out how we do this again. And Brent, it just felt good. It felt like business as usual. It wasn't a silly press conference about how much we want to play football. It was, we're playing football this fall, and uh, and here's our status check. So it's just just a relief, honestly, uh, to get that press conference out of the way. And it feels like football's coming soon. Yeah, there were there was no kind of, uh, I don't want to use the term ulterior motives, but there was kind of no bigger objective. You know, that the, the one... Scott Frost press conference we got, it was kind of clear at that point that like, Hey, this teetering, this season might be teetering on the brink. I want to use this time to go out and say something about it here. It was just, uh, Hey, let's talk about football. Let's, let's talk about real football things. Let's talk about trying to stop the run. Um, let's talk a little bit about schedule, which, you know, of course the coaches were like, we don't care. We want to play. Um, <laughs> For us, every week looks pretty hard when you get down into the nuts and bolts of it. So it, it, it just felt a little bit uh, – college football's on its way back. And I know we had the schedule announcement, uh, the whole thing, but this kind of felt like the first day for me where it's like, oh, yeah, this is – here we go. We're, we're back to just talking about the game itself. Exactly, Brandon. I'm filling in for Chris today, and it was just a relief. Like, oh, we can talk about actual football today. That's nice. But whenever you, you, uh, you look at the press conference today, 
it seemed like every single person up there got a question about what do you think of the schedule. And it, it makes sense because that's kind of been the talk within Husker Media within the past week of what a brutal schedule this is, Ohio State week one. And, and I get it, but are, are you – I mean, I, I don't think anyone's surprised – by the coaches' responses and the players' responses of, oh, we don't care who it is week one. We're going to go out there and we're going to play. But when you actually look at that, do you think that's true? Do you think the coaches are, are happy to be playing a team like Ohio State week one? Um, I, don't know if, I don't know if they're happy. I think it's true to the, to the, for the most part. Like the schedule that Nebraska has is a pared down version of, of what they already had. And, Unfortunately, what got pared down is, you know, some unconference games that when you're in a team of uh, in Nebraska's position are typically soft openings for, for a large part. I mean, South Dakota State's really good. Central Michigan wasn't bad, and, and Cincinnati's pretty good. So that wasn't as true this year as maybe in some previous years, but it's at least a game where you know going in you have a talent advantage, um, you have some other advantages. And – You've got to play well, but you'll, you'll probably get, get some time to work things out. That's not the case. And it's not the case for, for any team in the country that, that's playing a conference-only schedule. You look at the SEC's return last week um, with, with some of what we saw there. So for the coaches, for the most part, I, I think it's like, okay, we, we've got the schedule, we've got the games, we know who we're going to play. Now we're into, like, the routine. Like, this is what it looks like to get ready for the first game of the season. This is what it looks like to get ready for a game in a week. And, and, and that's, that's okay. Now, amongst themselves, do they probably <laughs> at some moments look at each other and be like, geez, uh, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Northwestern, Penn State, huh? Um, yeah, I think so. Because at, at the same point, like, coaches are – they know how good those teams are, just, just the way that we all do. Um, in fact, they probably know it better, but – yeah, I think there's there's some truth to you. It, it's easy for it to seem like kind of platitudes or just saying what you need to say. But I really do think at, at the heart of it, that's how they approach these games. You know, Brandon, you talk about um, those teams like LSU losing to Mississippi State, Oklahoma lost to K-State. In the Big Ten, do you, do you see any early kind of surprises from, oh, this team was supposed to, to go far and they lost week one or week two? Do you see anything like that happening right away in the Big Ten? Um, nothing specifically comes to mind, to be completely honest. Uh, I, I would have to have a better immediate recall of exactly what the first two or three weeks are for all of the teams in the Big Ten. But to more directly answer your question, I'll be surprised if there aren't. Um, I just think with a stop-and-start offseason, with the entire kind of calendar built up to you know this is how we get ready for a football season and it's all very regimented it's like spring football this um and then we go to win you know go to summer workouts etc etc like the disruption of that i think just makes makes things noisy um so you're going to have those and and who knows what it's going to be it's 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 kind of hard you know purdue is a team that kind of jumps out to me as okay they got Rondale Moore back, which, first of all, is, is a big, big deal for them, but still got to replace a the quarterback. They're, they're a team that was towards the bottom of the Big Ten West for me, but they've got some talent. They've got a good coach. So that's one that a, a team I would watch out for that could probably jump up and beat somebody where coming into it, you might say, well, 
they're a 16 or 17 point underdog, and this should be should be a blowout. I think you have to be cautious about those games that you kind of take for granted in a normal season. Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity Magazine, is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Brandon, when I look at those SEC games this past weekend, uh, Damon mentioned the LSU game, the Oklahoma game. I even look at the the Florida game, where Florida came out pretty cold to start. Auburn as well. Um, and when I kind of put my fan hat on, I look at that and I say, well, maybe Nebraska does have a shot against Ohio State. And then I, I put my sports betting hat on and I say, well, maybe I should bet the under. Look how cold all these teams were. Maybe Nebraska can at least be close. Where are you feeling here? Um, I, I, I think there's some credence to that, um, especially early on. Like, you know, we might get three games into this and be like, okay, we, we have a better sense of these teams. Um, with it's still way early with, with the way I see that Nebraska, Ohio state game playing out. If, if Nebraska is going to be in it, I would be surprised if it's a low scoring game. So, so I'm more likely to, to take Nebraska and whatever points you get, just, you know, to try and account for game one rustiness, um, game one jitters, whatever it may be. Things are always a little bit ugly in game one. Uh, you're just working through some things. It's your first time on the field. Uh, I, I think that's even more true now, um, given everything that we've done over the past seven months. It's just everything's outside of the norm. So, yeah, I think getting that shot in, in game one against Ohio State, and I know Eric Schneider was asked kind of directly about this, and, you know, what's he supposed to say? He kind of both sides of it, which which I totally get. But I, I do think that's that's one where – yeah, let's let's play Ohio State when they're starting from scratch, just like everyone else. Versus when they've got four weeks in, and and they're kind of okay. We we, we feel like we know how to handle all of the new challenges we have to face in a season unlike anything any of us have ever seen. Brandon Vogel with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Brandon, I want to uh, kind of look at some other things we heard during the press conference this morning, kind of get away from schedule. Uh, and one of the things we heard about a lot this morning was just the weirdness of this offseason, what all the players were doing, what all the coaches were doing. And there was one response to me that stood out, and that was from JoJo Doan. We played this back uh, a little bit earlier in the show where JoJo talked about, yeah, we, we lost practices, but we also had an extra three months to work with Zach Duvall. And you've heard so much as a Nebraska fan. You heard Scott Frost after the Iowa game uh, back in 2018 say they just look like a bigger team than us right now. And similar thoughts uh, after the Michigan game that same year where it's just this is a Big Ten team. They, they've been hitting the weight room. They're more athletic. They're bigger. They're faster. They're stronger. Do you think this is the year where we can finally see Nebraska take the jump and be a more physical team than other uh, Big Ten teams that are currently on the schedule? I think it could be, and I thought that was a good point on, on Doman's part um, to note that, well, yeah, things were limited and things were different, but it, it wasn't all a negative um, because through through two years, I think, I think all of us could at various times see the gains that Nebraska was making in, in the weight room in, in just getting to the size that this coaching staff thinks they need to be at to, to compete in the Big Ten. Uh, and, th- and then, as you mentioned, uh, you had those comments along the way, um, some from Frost, some from others, just saying, like, yeah, we're not there yet. And, and it was kind of hard, uh, especially based on their, their on-field results, to say, like, oh, they're getting closer. Um, so, so this year, I think, has the chance to be a, a proof-in-the-pudding type of season of, 
okay, you probably got more time with with Zach Duvall, and and really that's vital. Like that that relationship, it's always vital because you spend more time with the strength and conditioning coach than almost anyone. But here, it was in some cases all you could do. So let's see where Nebraska's at. Um, you know, and Deontay, I thought it was interesting. Deontay Williams, I think it was him, also mentioned that. Nebraska was able to get back together about as early as anyone. So, so does that show up on the field? And, and it's hard to know. Um, again, the rule of the day, at least for me, is, is expect chaos. But Nebraska has some things that I think work in its favor here, uh, just in terms of being able to potentially be ready. Brent, I, I like that a lot. Expect chaos. That's That's been the theme of 2020, and that's going to be the theme of this 2020 football season, isn't it? Um, but whenever you're, uh, whenever you're listening to what the coaches have to say, uh, I mean, do you think that they're also expecting chaos? I think, I think coaches kind of are, are in that mode permanently. I would be surprised if they're not in that mode a little bit more now. You know, it's, it's, it's just always interesting to – when you get the chance to talk to coaches and like, you know, in some cases get them away from the traditional press conference thing and, and really talk to them. Like they have a, a really deep understanding of like, Hey, you know what? Like if we just don't make this bust right here, or if this guy doesn't take one wrong step there, like it's so detail driven with them that I think they have a better understanding of how, many of these games are decided by like two, three, four, five plays in some cases, if it's a close game. And, you know, and, and in some games you just outclass teams and in some games you're outclassed, but the majority of them kind of fall in some, some middle ground there where you're like, yeah, I mean, if we just don't bust at this exact time, that game probably goes differently. So I think coaches start from a different point than we do as either objective or subjective viewers of the game and that like yeah these things are like you either fumble or you don't it's crazy man and i can't believe like the pay is great but i can't believe i signed up to do this um so 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 i think yes they they probably come into this going football was already chaotic and it's going to be way more chaotic at least early on now so buckle up because it's going to be uh a pretty crazy ride. I think that's a great point about coaches seeing things differently than we do as fans. And one thing that I'm seeing uh, kind of from a a fan or media member perspective, however you want to put it, uh, looking at this 2020 season is just kind of pessimistic. That's what the the past two months have put me in with the Big Ten coming out with a new schedule and then saying, oh, we're not going to play football this fall. And then you hear all these reports on Twitter and you kind of let yourself get your hopes up. But then also that internal pessimist comes out and you say, let's be honest, Kevin Warren, the Big Ten, they've made their decision. We're not playing football this fall. But now that we are playing football this fall, uh, do you think the coaches, I mean, from what I gleaned from the press conference, it seems like they have some optimism with this season. Um, and Shenander talks about how he's talked with his, uh, his other friends in the coaching world who've already had their first game, uh, and he was able to glean knowledge from them uh, and kind of see where they've made mistakes and kind of put an optimist spin on it. It's like, yeah, we're starting late, but look at all these lessons we can take. Uh, so how optimistic do you think these coaches are for the 2020 season and, and what Nebraska can do? I, I think there's there's reason for some some good optimism on on Nebraska's side. I I sort of feel that as as well on on some fronts. You know, we were talking about just their ability to get 
get back on the field as early as anyone. They already, like in a normal season, had a, a level of kind of returning production that you would want. Um, so, so those are reasons for optimism. I, I, I feel a little bit of what you're saying, too, not necessarily as it relates to Nebraska, but just overall a little bit pessimism. Like, I, I thought I'd be more excited for the return of Big Ten football than I actually felt. And I think that's just, like, everything it took to get there, um, the, the back and forth, the kind of, like, resigning yourself <laughs> – 10 different times to this is going to happen. This isn't going to happen. So that has dulled my like general excitement for college football a little bit uh, based on what it would be for an entire season. Though I will say it came back a little bit. The return of the SEC last week was, was pretty big. It felt like a, a college football Saturday. Um, and that felt pretty good. So I think by the time the big 10 gets playing and then a couple more conferences join in the weeks after that, things might start to feel pretty good again. And at that point, I might finally be like, oh, it feels like college football season. Talking with uh, managing editor of Hale Varsity, Brandon Vogel. Brandon, it's good to get caught up. Thanks for your insight. Yep, thanks a lot, guys. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes, that's awesome. Tuesday edition of Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Big thanks to Brandon Vogel for joining us and uh, talking about some of that stuff we heard in the press conference this morning. That's been the, the big news of the day uh, was that press conference this morning just because it feels like football is like finally just like right around the corner. It was, it was the, the sense of normalcy uh, just was it was good to have. Felt like a, a warm, comforting, weighted blanket was just placed on top of me watching that press conference. Uh, excited now to get caught up with Parker Gabriel, covers the Huskers for the Lincoln Journal Star. And, and Parker, you were involved in that press conference this morning. You were there on Zoom. So, so I got to ask you, whenever you're getting ready for the Zoom press conference, uh, I mean, are you looking in the mirror? Are you making sure your hair is perfect? Are you making sure the, uh, the the beard's looking nice? Just so, I mean, you're being broadcast out to a whole bunch of people. So it's a little different than the, than the normal press conference where you're just behind the camera raising the hand, you know? I think anybody who watched the press conference can rest assured that I didn't worry too much about what I was going to look like uh, before it was on. But it is kind of funny. I mean, you know, you're looking at the, you're, you know, you're just looking at your computer screen, obviously. And I keep the, the you know, Nebraska football. And I got that pinned to my screen, so um, you know, I don't, I don't see a lot of everybody else. You get them in the little, the little boxes up top, but. But then when, when you start asking a question, then it goes split screen. So you're, like, looking at Eric Shenander, but also at yourself asking a question. So it's a little bit of a weird uh, phenomenon. But, you know, it actually it actually works pretty well. See, one of the, the big things I've found in my Zoom meetings uh, with college professors and, and things like that is that people over the age of 30 really struggle to take themselves off mute. And if you were one of those people out there listening, I apologize to you. I don't mean to call you out, Park. Uh, but Parker, was there any of that at the press conference this morning? Was, was anybody struggling just to get the Zoom to work? No, but funny enough, um, I, no, there really wasn't. Actually, it was really smooth. Um, but funny enough, I asked like the, the last question of a couple of people. And so then naturally, like I turned off my recorder. I was recording the Zoom meeting because I'm – at least technologically savvy enough to know how to do that. But then I also was recording it on my, you know, my little voice recorder. And so I, I stopped that. And then I was actually the one that forgot to, to re-mute myself a couple of times because I asked the last question. Luckily, I didn't 
you know, cause myself or the Lincoln Gerald star any great embarrassment today. But, <laughs> you know, you're going to have to tighten it up as the season approaches. Yeah, game day's getting close. I mean, uh, these, are the, right. these, these are the practices that they got to count by week one. you got to have that execution down. Uh, but, but Plenty of details to clean up at this point, yeah. Yeah, Parker, whenever you're looking ahead to a week one matchup against Ohio State, uh, we, we got into this a little bit with Brandon. We saw the SEC this past weekend, and, and there was some some sloppy play from them. I mean, I look at Florida. They needed a, a big performance from Kyle Trask in the second half. Uh, to uh, They eventually ended up running away with that one. Uh, but it, it felt close in the first half, and same with Auburn. That Auburn game, uh, if it wasn't for a, a pick six that got called back at the end, uh, I mean, it, it was close. And then you have LSU who lost. You have Oklahoma who lost. Uh, just a lot of week one just teams dropping eggs, you know? They're, they're, they're not looking yep. great. So when you look at Nebraska going ahead, is that an advantage to them as they play such a great team like Ohio State? Or do you worry about the uh, the the mistakes that could be made by a Nebraska team when you're facing such a great team like Ohio State? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's... I mean, I think you just can choose to look at it either way um, because... Oh, I don't remember exactly who said it today. I think it was Eric Shenander, the defensive coordinator today, talked about that. He said, yeah, I mean... You could maybe you could make the argument that maybe it's good to get Ohio State Week One because it's been a long time since anybody's played and all that. But he said, you know, any argument you make about someone coming out sloppy or or making a mistake or or whatever, not having energy to start or being nervous or anything like that, like you could turn around and easily make the same argument for the other side. And so the thing that I'll be interested in is that both. Uh, Nebraska and Ohio State have a lot returning on offense. Um, Nebraska a little bit, maybe more on defense. They're going to have, you know, seven seniors maybe starting on defense. But, um, you know, just they're, the, they're two of the teams in the Big Ten that have, have pushed the hardest to get back to play, um, that have been, you know, working pretty much all the way through. I think Ohio State maybe paused briefly at one point, but um, – yeah, I, I'm very interested to see overall with the Big Ten what the level and caliber of play is like uh, coming out week one. But, you know, no matter how you slice it, I mean, that's an awfully big challenge for Nebraska with, with the Buckeyes on the schedule week one. Yeah, and, and with uh, a week one, usually you expect that your, your defenses are going to outplay your offenses. Offenses need some more time to, uh, to adjust and get their timing right. There's so many intricacies to an offense. Where with the defense, it's all about flying to the ball, uh, being aggressive, uh, showing effort, but specifically with Nebraska, they return so much talent on offense. I mean, potentially uh, all five starting offensive linemen. Obviously, it's not going to look like that because other guys have been stepping up. But you also return a starting quarterback, uh, starting running back, a couple of tight ends, uh, even some receiver talent coming back. So, uh, are, do you think that once we hit Week One against Ohio State, which side of the ball is going to be the one that we're going to be writing columns about uh, come Monday morning, asking? Uh, them to you know step up and, and make a difference yeah that's a good question I mean I think you can uh, again I mean you can make an argument for either either side I mean I think that the offense with the pieces they have and then also you know I'm, I don't it's hard to say I, I feel like if you look at scoring across college football early on it's up uh, um, weeks it's up in the NFL I mean you're seeing um, some pretty amazing quarterback numbers across the board um, at both levels. I don't know how much that's going to apply to the Big Ten. I don't know because the, the run-up is different in the Big Ten, right? I mean, the, some of those teams in the SEC or, or the Big 12 or the ACC, 
really didn't do much over the summer, and then suddenly they were on a course to play in mid to late September. Not really the case in the Big Ten, especially for both Nebraska and Ohio State. I mean, Nebraska's actually gotten more work in this offseason um, than it has in a lot of offseasons. Uh, granted, they didn't have spring ball, so you're behind there, and then uh, not in full pads until we think tomorrow. And so it's just, I think it's impossible to predict. We've never really had an offseason like this. Um, to, to me, like, I think if you take the week one opponent out of it, I think that the offense in a vacuum is a little bit more likely maybe to start fast, or I would think the offense is more likely to start fast than the defense. Um, but then again, I mean, who knows? We've seen a lot of weird stuff happen this year. And so, um, and you know, it's, it's never easy to start fast uh, when, when you start, you know, against the number two team in the country, the number three team in the country. Parker Gabriel is with us, Lincoln Journal star. And, and Parker, we're talking about, a lot about defense today. We had the defensive coaches all come together for this press conference. And, and listening to the coaches' answers, what, what position group on defense do you think they put the most confidence in to, to start the season off right this year? Yeah, uh, I think, I mean, I just think that you, you start with the secondary, given the level of experience there. And, and we, heard, we heard from Travis Fisher today, I mean, and Deontay Williams, you've got, you know, three uh, seniors who are, who are likely starters uh, in that group in uh, Deontay Williams and Mark Heldes at safety and then DiCaprio Boodle, probably a corner, but he played quite a bit of safety down the stretch last year. Um, and then you've got a junior who's played a lot of football in Camp Taylor Britt. Um, and, and, you know, Braxton Clark played quite a bit as the season went on last year, made a start against Purdue. Uh, they like Quentin Newsom. They like Miles Farmer and Noah Fuller Gates. I mean, You've got Nadab Joseph, um, who Travis Fisher said today is, is you know, getting acclimated to the, to the program and, and getting caught up and all that. So I just think, you know, the way I think about it is in the secondary, uh, you've got options, right? You're, you, don't, you don't want, obviously, anybody to get hurt, but uh, the numbers say you're going to deal with injuries back there at some point along the way, and, and you've got options for dealing with that. You've got options for dealing with if a couple guys miss for – you know, COVID or whatever else. And you've got combinations that you can work through um, depending on how you want to play, you know, certain personnel groups. Like, that, they're a lot more likely to, to get an extra corner or two on the field against Ohio State. Um, maybe you put an extra safety, a big guy like Miles Farmer, on the field more against Wisconsin. you got to deal with those teams back-to-back to start the year. So, I just think, you know, the defensive line is going to be super interesting. Um and I think that there's some growing depth at inside linebacker. Um, but I think if you if you were going to hang your hat on a position group in the in the on the defensive side right now, I think you'd have to you know start in the secondary. Parker Gabriel's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Parker got about two minutes left, so uh, time for uh, maybe a, a few a last few thoughts. Um, kind of the the other side of this question is uh, you mentioned it with the defensive line and the linebackers. There's the other two position groups on the defense. Uh, specifically, which guys in those two position groups do you think are going to have to step up for the Huskers here in 2020? Uh, I know on the D-line they're losing so much production with the Davis Twins as well as uh, Darian Daniels, uh, but at linebacker you lose someone who was pretty much considered a leader of that defense last year, Muhammad Barry. Uh, so who is going to be the guy that you think steps up and, and is like making names to himself? I know last year we had Cam Taylor Britt in the secondary stepping up early in the season, uh, making a name for himself. Uh, along the D-line and the linebackers, who do you think is making that jump this year? 
Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, you're going to need more than one on the defensive line. Um, and, you know, I think you start, um, you know, with that, there's a big group of juniors. A couple of them are junior college guys that, are, that just joined the program in uh, Feldarius Payne and Jordan Riley. Um, I, you know, Ty Robinson's definitely in that conversation as a redshirt freshman, maybe beside Newsom too. Um, but there's also a bunch of guys, you know, Damian Daniels, Casey Rogers, Tate Wildeman, guys that have been in the program for a couple of years that are going to have a chance to be rotational players. Um, a linebacker, you know, inside linebacker particularly, um, you would expect uh, the starting pair or at least two parts of the of the of Barrett Rude's rotation to be the seniors, Colin Miller and Will Honus. But then after that, like, who are the next two guys after that? And I think right now you would say that the odds-on favorite in that conversation are Nick Henrich, um, the retro freshman from Burke, and um, Luke Reimer, the sophomore from Lincoln North Star. So, you know, a couple of local kids there. Um, that right from the jump, but especially as the season goes on, you know, Barrett, with the way that they play defense and the number of snaps that they play, um, Barrett always says you need more than two. You'd like to have four, ideally, at least. Um, but they, they basically had a three-man rotation each of the past two years in the middle. Um, and Nick Henrich and Luke Reimer are sort of the, I would say at this point, they're perceived as the odds-on favorites um, to join the two seniors in that rotation. Talking with Parker Gabriel, Lincoln Journal star. Parker, don't want to take up too much of your time today. Uh, thanks for joining us here on Hale Varsity Radio. What, what do you got planned for the rest of the evening? I think no football on a Tuesday night, so uh, I'm not sure what, I, what I'm going to do. Uh, you got any plans? I'll probably just watch some baseball playoffs and uh, make up some dinner and, and uh, revel in football being back, at least the latest stage of it. Well, I can agree with you on that last point, Parker. Uh, it feels great, doesn't it? Have a nice night, Parker, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks, guys. Good stuff there from Parker Gabriel. Coming up as we wrap up this Tuesday edition of Hale Varsity Radio, some thoughts on Monday Night Football last night, Chiefs-Ravens. It was a fun one. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Tuesday edition of Hale Varsity Radio. Sorry, I was uh, just jamming out to some Red Hot Chili Peppers there for a second. Great song. Great song. Just enjoy that for a second. It's Elijah Herbal alongside Damon Barr as we're filling in for Schmidt this week here on Hale Varsity Radio. Lots of Husker football talk we've gotten into today. You heard from Parker Gabriel of the Lincoln Journal Star. He was awesome. And uh, we also had Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity Magazine. Back in uh, hour one, we had Mitch Sherman. If you missed any of those interviews, you can find them on ESPNLincoln.com as well as uh, ESPN Lincoln Twitter page. Uh, Going to be posting those as well as some snippets from those interviews on the uh, the SoundCloud page. All those can be found on the ESPN Lincoln Twitter page. Again, you can also find us and follow uh, us, Damon and I, on Twitter for me, at Herbal Essences. And you can find Damon on Twitter at Damon Barr. And the bar there is spelled with two R's. That's D-A-M-O-N-B-A-R-R. If you really need it all uh, spelled out there for you. Uh, if, uh, if you're missing Chris this week, you can find him and follow him on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. He's still active on his Twitter page this week, uh, making sure he's uh, feeding out the content to you. Husker football content, content that make you smile. It's all good stuff. Before we go today, I think I'd be remiss if we didn't mention that Monday night football game last night. I mean, what a huge game. I can't remember a week three game that felt as big as that week three game 
felt last night. And uh, Monday Night Football got it. It was kind of uh, their chance after two weeks of warm-ups uh, to show off their new Monday Night Football crew. Damon, you get a chance to watch the game last night? Uh, yeah, just, just a little bit of it, as I said earlier. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it was a telling game. It, it was telling of two teams that had a lot of questions about them. And I think a lot of questions have been answered about the, the strength of both teams at this point. How awesome was that moment from Patrick Mahomes where he counted off on his fingers one, two, three, four, and shrugged the shoulders. And uh, the Chiefs Twitter page came and said, uh, how many touchdowns has Patrick Mahomes thrown tonight? And we all know that's not what Patrick Mahomes meant whenever he counted to four. He had, this offseason, for a Super Bowl MVP, he, he found a way to put a chip on his shoulder, and that was from the NFL Top 100 list, which is all pretty BS. We know that's BS. Levante David got, like, what, 99th this year, 98th or something stupid like that. I think it's a popularity contest. But still, Patrick Mahomes ranked as the fourth best player in the NFL, which is absurd. First off, let's throw that out there. This guy is either one or he's two. And the only argument I can have for putting him in two is, yeah, Lamar Jackson did get the NFL MVP last year. But when you just go watch these guys play, especially head-to-head, Patrick Mahomes makes throws that I have never seen anybody make before. That throw fading back like an unconventional like 12-step drop last night where he just launched it, and he had uh, Nicole Hardman wide open. Thing went 50 yards in the air off his back foot, and uh, just a dot. The simple as that. He dropped a dime from Nicole Hardman on a 12-step drop. Absurd stuff. Absurd stuff Lamar Jackson could not pull off. Absurd stuff that just about, if not any other quarterback currently in the world could pull off. Russell Wilson's the only close second. And it's not that close. I, I can still make a great argument for uh, for Russell Wilson. Uh, as, you know, when you, when you look at MVP voting, who's most valuable to their team, Russell Wilson's got a great argument this year. With, with that, the way Eric Bieniemy set up that offense for the Chiefs, and just a little side note, it is absurd that Eric Bieniemy does not have a head coaching job in the NFL yet, and he's going to have one after this season. He deserved to get one this offseason. Stuck with the Chiefs. But in three years as offensive coordinator, he has, I mean, revolutionized the offense of the Kansas City Chiefs and made them pretty much unstoppable. Where he goes next year, who knows? Maybe the Broncos. Damon says no. He could come to L.A. I wouldn't be too mad if he... uh... (laughs) How does it feel to have us both be pitted against the best team in the league this year, Chargers and Broncos fans? Uh, As a Broncos fan, it makes me feel like we're going to go 2-14 this year. My word, you see the stat today about the Broncos that, uh, what is it, $55 million of their current cap is on the injured reserve. Their quarterback won, their running back won, their wide receiver won, uh, their defensive line top three, their number one outside linebacker, their number one cornerback, their number four cornerback. It's it's ridiculous. That sounds like Chargers stats right there, injured team. <laughs> yeah, both Chargers and Broncos both got a, a good play this year to go try to get Trevor Lawrence in the draft next year, huh? Maybe pick up Eric Bieniemy. But I, I want to talk about the uh, the Monday Night Football broadcast um, because everyone knows that Monday Night Football is not what it used to be. And I, I didn't even get the, the Monday Night Football heyday of the 80s. That's when Monday Night Football was awesome, but I still even remember early 2000s Monday Night Football. You still flipped on Monday Night Football every single week, no matter who was playing, just because it's Monday Night Football. It's the allure of Monday Night Football. It's something special. And at this point, I'd rather watch Sunday Night Football. Sunday Night Football's got a better broadcast crew. They 
honestly have better games every single week. And uh, it's just part of my, my Sunday watching routine, whereas Monday I feel like I got other things to do. You know, I don't need to watch Monday Night Football. So Monday Night Football brought in the new booth this year. It's Steve Levy, Brian Greasy, and Lewis Riddick. I, I want to first look at Steve Levy because as a play-by-play guy, he was great. Last night, he brought excitement to, to that game. And how tough has that got to be to bring excitement to a game when you got no fans? And, and you can complain about the, the, the fake crowd noise all you want. That was kind of terrible last night. But for Steve Levy to go in there and do play-by-play, and I mean, you have to bring excitement to a game when there's no fans. It's easy whenever you got loud fans and you can't even hear yourself to make it sound exciting. But whenever it's quiet in the booth, it's quiet in the stadium, and you got to bring excitement to it. Steve Levy did a great job last night. I, I think of that, the Michael uh, Hardman touchdown last night. Made that play exciting. What, what was the call? Mahomes can't be stopped. Awesome. Or, or the uh, little shovel pass to Anthony Sherman, to the fullback. Awesome. He made both those plays great. As for Brian Greasy and Lewis Riddick. First off, they're doing their best, but it's those guys, their continuity isn't there yet. And a three-man broadcast booth doesn't make sense to me. Uh, the two-man booth is tried and true. It's the standard of broadcasting. When, when I'm watching a sports game, I want to hear one play-by-play guy and then one great analyst like Tony Romo come in and tell me what the next play is going to be. <laughs> That's what I want when I'm, when I'm watching football. I want a play-by-play guy who, who can describe to me the action on the field beautifully and a play-by-play guy who can make the game more interesting to me. That's the challenge of, of broadcasting a game, especially in a place like Monday Night Football, is that you have to make the game accessible for people who don't know football. You have to make it understandable. And then you also have to make it interesting for the people who have watched thousands of football games in their life and, and understand the game. And that, that's the challenge. That's where Monday Night Football, I think, failed in years past is they made it too accessible and not enough for the, the football fan like me who I know what's happening on the field. You don't need to, you don't need to tell me what, a, what an ISO is. You don't have to tell me what a power is. I want to hear why they're running a power here. So I, I digress. The three-man booth, I'm not sold yet. I can be convinced. Obviously, they still need to get synergy. My big problem last night was uh, the replay of uh, director, whoever that person was. Uh, there was, at the end of the first half, a Frank Clark strip sack. And I did not get to see Frank Clark's pass rush move once. I got to see the strip once. Didn't get to see the pass rush move, but I saw Mark Andrews dropping passes like in four separate different highlight reels. I don't care to see Mark Andrews drop passes. I want to see the cool plays. I want to see Frank Clark beat his offensive lineman, get the strip sack, get the ball back for his offense, and give the Chiefs another chance to score before halftime. Overall, though, overall, Monday Night Football is better this year, and I'm happy they changed the booth. We'll wrap up a Tuesday show, Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Lots of good thoughts today on Hale Varsity Radio. Talking that Husker defense, what to expect here in 2020 as some players and coaches uh, went to the podium uh, at the press conference this morning for Husker football. Got some thoughts from Mitch Sherman uh, back in hour one. Brandon Vogel and Parker Gabriel were this hour. Uh, had a good time today, Damon. And uh, let, me, let me tell you what. I, now, now that I've, I've gone through the good stuff of today, which was this show, I, I think we had a good time. 
Uh, I just need to take a second to complain. Um, because as we said, at home university, Zoom university, um, this may not be relatable for anyone else out there because I'm a college student and uh, I'm ready to graduate. I'm ready to get on with the real world. And you may have already done that or you may have decided to not go to college or maybe you are in college right now and you can relate to this. But uh, I, I got home from the show last night and uh, I had agreed via email with some group members in my Spanish class that we would uh, meet together on Zoom at 7 p.m. and complete a, uh, a speaking assignment. That's one thing that has uh, been terrible about taking Spanish this semester is that we have to do speaking assignments via Zoom, which is uh, no fun whatsoever. And, and the assignment last night was to talk about our family. We had to do uh, basically two minutes of speaking total. Uh, just, I mean, that's not too bad. I can talk about mi familia for two minutes. See? No Spanish? That's two words. Uh, put it in two minutes now. <laughs> yeah. uh, mi hermano uh, uh, is 24 años. My brother's 24 years old. See? See, I'm getting it down. I complained early in the year, but I got home last night and I log on to Zoom and uh, neither of my group members showed up. Just no, I was just sitting alone in a Zoom for 10 minutes waiting for somebody to show up and nobody showed up. And uh, I'm not sure if they care about their grade less than me, but it was due last night at midnight and 7.15 rolls around and I go, I'm going to watch Monday Night Football. I'm not going to wait for you. <laughs> I got better things to do. It's Chiefs Ravens is on. I'm going to talk about this in the show tomorrow. I'm not going to talk about my Spanish speaking assignment on the show tomorrow. And look, at, here we are now. And I am talking about my Spanish speaking assignment, but it was just such a frustrating night. <laughs> so, so if you're those two people in, in Elijah's group, shame on you. I hope you're listening. Yeah, Caleb and uh, Caleb and Jess name dropping you right now. Answer your emails. <laughs> Do better. They haven't even emailed me today. Nobody's even, I, I sent them an email afterwards. Like, Hey, we'll have to reschedule this for another day, I guess. Whatever. And nobody even got back to me today. So maybe I'm just not turning that assignment in. I don't know. <laughs> Damon's laughing in the other room right now, Damon. You got any similar experiences this year? Um, I can't say I have. Uh, I haven't been stood up on a Zoom date this year like you have, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, Zoom University has been a. It's been an interesting year. Um, can't wait to be over with it. That's all I got to say. Before we go, quick reminder that if you're looking to make a move in 2020, you need to give the real estate professionals at West Blue Realty a call today. They specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln and the surrounding communities, and they'll help make next your next move a smooth one. For a limited time only, you can mention Hale Varsity and West Blue Realty will provide you with up to $1,000 upon the closing of your next home purchase. And if uh, you're looking to sell agricultural land, well, they can do that too. They have an auctioneer uh, and can handle anything from live auctions, sealed bids, and general land listings. They've sold uh, land all around Lancaster County uh, and they can help you too. You got to give West Blue Realty a call today. Either Tom Luby or Kelly Hofschneider. Uh, visit westbluerealty.com or visit them at 1120 K Street, Suite 200. Before you make your next move, you got to ask yourself, what can West Blue do for you? Because it pays to work with West Blue Realty. We'll be back tomorrow. Damon Barr, you're going to be in class. You're not going to be here, but I will be here running the show. That's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Talk to you tomorrow.